Hello and welcome along to the COP26 Covered podcast. This is Edie's brand new daily podcast show for anybody and everybody with an interest in climate action and sustainable business. Uh, You're listening to the voice here of Edie's content director, Luke Nichols. I'm joined once again by our award-winning editorial team. Uh, that is our trusty content editor, Matt Mace. Say hello, Matt. Hello. Good morning. I think it's still morning. Yep. Yep. Just about morning. Um, afternoon, probably, for our listeners. And uh, Jeremy Paxman in, dis- in disguise, that is uh, Sarah George, our senior reporter. Sarah, are you ha- happy with that introduction? Are you just going to compare me to other journalists in every episode? But I guess it will it will slide for today. And good morning, everybody. Yeah, I'm going to try. Although Laura Koonsberg, Jeremy Paxman, I don't know what comes third on that list. I'll, I'll have a think for tomorrow. So, as you may be able to tell from the background noise, you might be able to pick up a faint piano noise going on in the background. We are not in our offices, nor are we at COP26, nor is Matt playing that piano, because we are in fact at St Pancras International train station. Our bags are packed, sitting all around us. We're in a, a, a little cafe. And later on, uh, we're going to be boarding a train journey, uh, a very special train, a climate train, packed with climate experts, policymakers, NGOs, activists. No, this isn't one of Matt's wacky dreams. This is actually happening right here on the Got26 Covered podcast. So let's get on with the show. Okay, yes. Hello, uh, everyone, and welcome along to episode two of COP26 Covered. We made it to episode two, which I think is the first bit of good news. Uh, and here we are then in, I would say, a relatively quiet part of St Pancras Station. Um, Matt, we've made it up to London, first of all, which was uh, a feat in itself, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, I was expecting this day to be quite relaxed and, and laid back, the kind of calm before the COP, so to speak. But the train journey, we were both on the same train, was rammed basically uh, sounds like a few line diversions but uh, I've got a bad back at the moment I was quite able to sit down but I had to stand for more than an hour with uh, pressed up against my luggage with a salmon sandwich in my pocket that I didn't want to eat because I didn't I was quite conscious about the fact that it's a salmon sandwich on a packed train it might stink out the place uh, so it's been a it's been a journey yeah, it's been a journey already and it's just the start of the day um i should stress actually yeah so uh, matt and i live in nearby towns uh, in west sussex we don't work live and, and sleep together um but we ended up on the same train up here different carriages but um apparently you could see me matt but uh, yeah i have to say that was the worst train journey i've probably ever experienced uh, it had everything it's standing room only um Three heavy bags full of equipment, so that wasn't easy. Heavy delays, complete standstills, screaming babies, some lads on tour as well that lads were there. On tours, a few anti-vaxxers. It was, uh, it was the, the, not the, per- what's the opposite of a perfect cocktail, the worst cocktail. Worst cocktail, yeah. So um, uh, we're a little flustered to say the least, uh, but we're here. We've still got a bit of time before the next part of our journey actually going up to Glasgow for COP26. Uh, hopefully the next day only gets better from here. Sarah, hello. Tell me your journey wasn't as bad as ours. Uh, no, definitely not. So until East Croydon, completely quiet, had a whole table um, to myself. And then from then, yes, it was a busy train, but it didn't seem to have the terrible mix of people that you had. Very cute baby, bunch of people just minding their own business. So I'd have said that, Matt, you should have broken out the sandwich and maybe that would have had the desired effect of clearing you a seat. There was no room for anywhere to go. If anything, someone would have just... Did- taking a bite out of it anyway (laughs) there is never a cute baby on the train as well babies on trains are always screaming i've found so sarah talk to us about the next train we're getting on which will hopefully be better than the one we just had the climate train yes of course so the climate train actually departed in the early hours of this morning from europe it stopped in um, amsterdam rotterdam 
um, and Paris before making its way here to London. And then the last stop is Glasgow, which we should be pulling into about 6pm this evening. And this train was announced a few months back as a collaborative effort between rail operators, Youth for Sustainable Transport and a bunch of other partners as well. So I've got noted down to mention um, ProRail, Thameslink, Eurostar, Avanti West Coast, Stay Grounded and many more. Um, And the intention is not only to encourage people to take the train rather than the plane, um, but also to facilitate some interesting discussions. I've been told that it's not a case of board the train, um, sit back and relax. It's a case of um, a proper programme, bringing together some of the groups that you mentioned, like NGOs, youth activists, policymakers and businesses to really set the scene and to exchange details, as they put it on their website, to drastically change the industry by facilitating deep bonds and profound dialogues. So watch this space. Yeah, and um, yeah, I know often in podcast editing we'll sort of put a nice tune behind uh, some of the times when we're speaking, and that wasn't us doing that. We're sat, we've decided very cleverly to sit right next to that piano in uh, St Pancras Station and someone decided to start playing. Uh, so hopefully you heard all of that. But uh, yeah, I don't really know what to, to expect with this one. We've heard so many people that are boarding this train and it's all been a bit last minute. So organising a, a podcast has not been easy, but hopefully on board we'll be able to speak with a few of the organisers and youth activists behind um, the Rail to Cop campaign, which has organised it. I should mention the other organisers. We've got Eurostar, Avanti, some of the train firms that are behind it. So we'll see what we can do. And actually on the, on the subjects of speaking with people, I have just started to think about the time because it should probably now be about an hour earlier than it is thanks to that abysmal first train journey that we had up here i feel like i should name and shame the operator considering this episode but it wasn't eurostar i should say um because we're going to head over now to the hopefully much quieter and much more relaxing eurostar premier business lounge to meet with the groups matt we're meeting there environmental and sustainability lead uh lauren williams lauren williams great so let's do it hopefully it's not too far away i've got a lot of luggage to carry uh, matt can you carry one of my bags i, I would but my back is about so you're gonna have to put that on sarah I'm afraid. Right, Sarah, you can have this one. I'll be stacking them on my head. Okay, here we are then in a a very plush and and relaxing um, business lounge, which is uh, just what the doctor ordered uh, after that frantic morning that we've had. And I'm pleased to say uh, that we are joined here now by Lauren Williams from Eurostar. Lauren, um, thanks very much for inviting us and having us on board the climate train later on. We've got a little bit of time here before we head over to Euston and board that train, which gives us a bit of time to ask you a bit uh, about it all and and prepare ourselves uh, for the journey ahead. So um, perhaps you could start by telling us uh, a little bit about how this idea first came about and why Eurostar got on board, pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks for having me on the podcast. Great to be here. Um, The idea for the climate train was brought to us earlier this year by Youth for Sustainable Travel, and they campaign to create a more sustainable travel future um, alongside the Dutch rail operator ProRail. So they came to us with the idea, um, and then we obviously really wanted to be involved, and it's been great to work with them alongside our rail partners, of course, of Anti-West Coast, who are running the train from Houston to Glasgow, as well as all the rail partners involved um, outside as well. So just to name a few, ProRail, GetLink, Siemens, HS1, SNCF, SNCB, InfraBell. There's a huge amount of people involved in this mm. and they've all really come together and been united by this commitment to 
travel sustainably to COP26, but also really get this discussion going on accelerating the modal shift towards sustainable travel. So, as you say, you're off to Euston later, but I just just got in on the train from Amsterdam, which left at 8.45 this morning, has just come into St Pancras, and there was a huge amount of people on board, as I say. There was politicians, there was NGOs, youth activists, and all of the rail partners I mentioned, and it was great to see all of those people alongside each other discussing yeah. the same thing. God, yeah, so we've got to, I guess, prepare ourselves then for some questions with potential, potentially with some... Do we know any of the politicians that are on there? Any Anyone on board in particular? Um, so, in particular, like, Belgian and Dutch delegations and some people from the European Commission as well. Right, OK, we're best... Matt, you best start preparing some questions. OK, well, my, my Belgium's a bit scrappy to me. I think you know what that is. OK, good stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, this train in particular as well... Like, how many people are we talking that are boarding the train, first of all? Um, so it was almost 500 in the end, I think, oh, wow. um, from a real range of countries as well. It's not just people from the Netherlands and Belgium coming across. I spoke to um, one activist who started her journey off in Poland. Um, so yeah, almost 500, and it, that's great to see because um, had the passengers on board flown between Amsterdam and London, each of their carbon footprints from that one flight would have been the same as making seven Eurostar journeys. So it's a big difference. Um, and it's great that so many people have chosen that more sustainable option. And that's um, a good point you mentioned about the, I mean, you kind of communicated the, the sustainability value there. And as, as well as making sure the journey itself has minimal environmental impact, there's a lot to be said here about bringing this group of travelers together um, and kind of creating that, that knowledge around travel options in relation to a carbon footprint. What, what are your hopes on the communications piece around this project? Yeah, so on board we had lots of workshops um, where all those people I mentioned were literally sat with each other, young people, people from the European Commission um, and senior leaders from the rail industry. Um, for example, we were discussing what can we do to make rail an even more attractive option versus air travel and its ideas around seamless ticketing, making it easier so you can book that real end-to-end journey between different train operators, but before you even get to the station, how are you getting to the station, and linking all of that up um, to make it much more accessible, really. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to that, and hopefully not so many workshops that our brains are just fried by the time (laughs) that we get there. Um, You mentioned, obviously, that we have youth for sustainable transport who do great advocacy work um, looking at sustainable transport from a systems um, point of view. And I know, Lauren, that you're going to stay in in London and relax for a bit before um, coming to Glasgow next week for the transport um, day. So when you head up there, how will Eurostar be joining that advocacy? Yeah, so as you, as you say, I'll go to COP26 next weekend and that will be with Jacques Damas, our CEO, and we'll attend the investment COP and take part in High Speed One's workshop that they've got there on decarbonising transport. And as a business, we really just want to carry on the conversation that we started on board today and open it up to the COP26 attendees, um, again asking how do we make rail the more, an even more attractive alternative to air and fulfil the potential it has to decarbonise the transport sector because rail is a solution to the climate crisis here and now. It's ready and waiting. The infrastructure is all there. Um, But in the EU over the last five years, its modal share of passenger transport has just stagnated at around 8% and we need to change that. So having conversations at COP26 um, and with European Commission and individual governments is really important and 
to mark the departure of the climate train today, um, 11 rail partners signed a pledge, and that pledge is to remain the most sustainable mode of motorised transport that we already are, as well as be more ambitious and really make rail play that pivotal role that it can play in decarbonising transport and fighting climate change. Mm. Is there any, well, I presume there's a lot of bit work being done in regards to the actual powering of these trains, right, mm. to make that more sustainable. Is that, what you, do you want to see anything come out of, of COP that perhaps pushes operators, governments to, to accelerate progress in the area of sustainable fuels, for example? Yeah, exactly. So that is one of our ambitions at the moment, to power all of our trains by 100% renewable electricity by 2030. Um, we can only do that alongside our infrastructure providers um, who hold the energy contracts. So that's something that we're really working on at the moment, having lots of discussions with them. And um, of course, another thing that we are really looking at is accelerating the development of that London Amsterdam route because there's a huge air market along that route and we want to push more and more onto rail. We want to run five direct services between Amsterdam and London and Rotterdam. Mm -hmm. um, and that has a potential saving of over 60,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide um, if our ambition comes into fruition and it's got the potential for a million passengers every year to be using rail rather than air. Yeah, we saw the, uh, the, the coverage this week, didn't we, of the, the delegates arriving from across the world and the amount of emissions that amounts to. Haven't got the figure now. Um, <laughs> it's 331 tonnes, tonnes just for the world leaders. And I also have another stat here from which this morning. Um, so for the average COP attendee coming from Europe, so they looked at locations across the UK and the mainland, um, the price of the train is triple the price of flying um, and there are not enough trains and planes combined to get everyone that's registered there. Wow. So watch this face, that's just testament to how big um, this event is and the fact that yeah, it can't be solved by one person. As you mentioned, there's multiple moving pieces and factors that would make something attractive and accessible, some mm -hmm. of which you've already mentioned. Yeah, well, I, I remember, I, I mean, I've seen on Twitter people kind of re retweeting and sharing pleas of, you know, youth ambassadors from, you know, Africa trying to get over here. They've started their journey, some of them literally weeks ago, just to try and be at COP. It's, mm -hmm. it's where everyone wants to be. So it's great that we were able to be there. Um, and you know, thank you to Eurostar for accommodating part of that journey. And um, we've already, you know, established that traveling by train is this kind of low carbon option. But um, in terms of Eurostar and your own kind of plans for the coming year, what, what what's the kind of main focus for you in terms of reducing your direct uh, environmental impact further? So we've just joined the UN's Race to Zero. Um, so that will be a focus for us going forward, setting our net zero emissions target and planning out the trajectory for that. As I mentioned, um, one of our key ambitions is powering the trains with 100% renewable electricity. Already wind power in the Netherlands, but we've got work to do elsewhere. And then another project we're doing at the moment is trialling a driver advisory system. And that's a piece of equipment on board that gives guidance to the drivers on how to drive more efficiently to reduce the energy consumption uh, that we have per journey and then save carbon related to that. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, well, on that note, sorry, I'm going to be the person that cuts this one uh, short. I think it's probably about time that we have to go and board this thing because I'm conscious that it's leaving not too far from now. Will you, be jo- you won't be joining us on the train, Lauren? No, not no. today. I'll walk you over to Euston, but then I'll be in Glasgow next week. Great, okay, well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to um, have this chat with us and for hosting us. I've never been more excited about boarding a train in my life. Um, <laughs> hopefully it lives up to these expectations. So we're going to head over from here, St Pancras, to Euston. Next, uh, you'll likely, the next bit you'll hear from us will, will most likely be on board the climate train, depending on how things go. Who knows, we might be able to spot one of these politicians, hopefully, uh, or at least some of the, the campaigners um, and groups behind it. And uh, yeah, hopefully have a few chats with different passengers on board. Let's see who we find. Okay, yeah, well, that last segue did make sense, I think, because we are now on the climate train, an amazing looking train from the outside, I must say. We'll be sharing some pictures in our our live blog uh, for sure. As you can imagine, this train is very busy uh, and very lively. Uh, We've already met a bunch of different climate activists representing different campaign groups. Matt and Sarah are sat back in different carriages throughout the train. I think they might be speaking with a few other uh, people later on in this episode. But for now, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by uh, a special guest. I'll let you introduce yourself, if that's okay, Mark. Yes, of course. Hi, I'm Mara Pater. I'm the chairwoman of Youth for Sustainable Travel. And you're one of the um, the senior representatives, Mara, uh, behind this Rail to the COP initiative, right? So did you help to launch it? Yeah, so um, as an organization, uh, or actually as a youth collective, we came up with the idea of Rail to the COP and the climate train. Um, so I initiated it with an amazing team of people. And uh, yeah, we, we launched it indeed. <laughs> Why? Where did it come? Where did the idea first come from? Yeah, so two years ago we uh, tried to sail to the climate conference in Chile, um, and actually halfway across the Atlantic Ocean we heard that the COP that was supposed to happen in Chile uh, was moved to Madrid, and we we couldn't make it back in time. And then we started thinking about, okay, how to travel around in Europe? What is a sustainable way to go to the climate conference in Europe? And uh, we then came up with the idea of calling for people to change their flight tickets to train tickets. And then we kind of coined the term real to the cop and it started to develop into this idea to charter an entire train uh, to get to Glasgow. So that's what we did. (laughs) And it's worked very successfully, I must say. I mean, every carriage is completely packed. So so you think you've kind of diverted a lot of people from otherwise flying to COP through this initiative? To be honest, I'm not sure about that. I think we're also taking a lot of additional people to COP. And I, I believe that most youth activists that are on the train wouldn't fly otherwise. Right, yeah. Um, so they would have taken the train. But I think it is definitely an added value that they get to meet each other on this train and also get to meet delegates and NGO representatives and other experts. Mm. And in terms of the kind of awareness that you're looking to raise through the initiative, um, obviously this organisation has gained a lot of support from from Europe already in this initiative. Um, Globally, are you hoping to kind of try and get other key nations on board? Are you going to be raising awareness on the ground at COP? Yeah, definitely. So we're mainly focusing on the transport sector. And what we're seeing right now is that the transport sector is really lacking behind on climate ambition and climate um, the implementation of cl- uh, climate reduction goals. So what we're hoping to do is a few changes that will definitely make uh, travel more sustainable 
and we're mainly focusing on aviation because that's the biggest emitter, I would say, in, in the travel sector. It's currently exempted from the Paris Agreement and I don't, don't think that's right for such a polluting uh, industry. So we're hoping that they will be included in the Paris Agreement and that they're also not exempted anymore from other things like kerosene tax or ticket tax. So talk us through what you're actually going to be doing when you're on the ground in COP26. What are your plans when we arrive and are you planning to be there for the two weeks? Are you stationed anywhere in particular? Yeah, so it, it depends a little bit on whom from our organization. I will be staying two weeks and a few others also two weeks. But we are a volunteer youth group. So some of us just have to go back to, to university or, or to work. So not all of us are staying for two weeks. Um, and the activities that we'll be doing it's always a bit abstract, like you're walking around, talking to a lot of people, attending events, asking questions, maybe giving presentations, sitting on panels, giving workshops. Um, so we're, we'll be doing a lot of different activities um, and it's all centered around this topic of sustainable travel. Have you been to a COP before this one? Well, I've tried to get to the COP in Chile, but that got moved. Yeah, so no, yeah. I haven't. No, neither have I. I was only asking because I was going to ask for advice because I've not personally <laughs> been to a COP either. And it's sounding like it's going to be a really, really crazy few days. But um, So I guess just to round off, what then would make a, a good COP26 for, for you? What, what are the things that you're looking for that will really make this a successful two-week summit? Yeah, so I think besides the, the outcomes that I already mentioned, like include aviation in the Paris Agreement, I think it is most important that all the different parties, all the different countries now really Im commit to this 1.5 degree goal because they have been handing in uh, national plans and some scientists have been adding up all these plans and it seems that we're going towards a, a warming of 2.7 degrees if these plans will be implemented. That's way too much. So hopefully this is a wake-up call to those countries and they will commit to 1.5 degree after uh, after this COP. Mm. Well, it's you know it's efforts like this, I think, that go a long way to, to influencing at the top level when you think about the amount of people on this train that are going to be getting off and protesting. So um, Mara, I know you're a very busy lady. Um, you've got various meetings coming up, so uh, I'll, I'll let you go. And who knows, we might see each other at, at, at COP or around COP um, over the next couple of weeks. Thank you. So as I mentioned, this train is, uh, is packed uh, with various climate activists and campaign groups. And on that note, uh, I've just received a, a message in the Team WhatsApp group because I believe Matt is uh, currently sat with a few passengers himself. Is that right, Matt? Uh, yes, Luke, yeah, I'm a bit further down from you on this train uh, and you've caught me midway through something called a climate fresk. Uh, I'm sitting next to a... Uh, lady called Melissa who's come all the way from Paris I believe this morning on the climate train um, and we are climate freskin is the term um, it's kind of like a, a card game in the sense and you go on a bit of a journey understanding the impacts that kind of uh, human humanity is having on the, the land and the climate crisis but it's probably best if climate fresk as a concept comes from Melissa herself so uh, Melissa one thank you for letting me sit next to you on this incredibly packed train uh, yeah climate fresk what what's what is it what's the reason behind it uh, so thank you so the principle of the climate fresk is we will play with 42 uh, cards and to understand the cause and the consequences uh, of human activities in the climate uh, so we'll organize the game with uh, five set of cards and uh, the players will uh, try to connect the cards in from causes to consequences and um, we'll f in the first step uh, speaking about uh, the, the cards and the, the learning things 
uh, all the um, all the topics are based on the IPCC reports. And um, then we'll speak a bit uh, about the emotion because they can be a bit uh, a bit sad of the uh, when they they understood everything. And then we'll uh, make a little part to find some solution, and we can adapt this part with uh, the publics we have. Uh, this clim this uh, climate phrase was created by Cédric Ringerbeck. It's a French teacher, and at the beginning, he wants to make the students understood the the, the crisis that that arrived. So uh, he decided to cut the <laughs> the IPCC report and to give the uh, different graphics to to the students. And he said that it was really really great and uh, everyone passed a, a good moment because they speak a lot and uh, they try to to understand but by themselves so they really learn the the principle and uh, he decided to create a bigger uh, bigger things and to create the association of fresh climate climate fresh and um, and but it's a french concept and actually we have more than 200,000 people that have made friends a fresh but it's mostly french people so we came to the cup to uh, make it spread in in every countries brilliant yeah i mean i've reported on the ipcc report um the most recent one the 2018 one which really kind of I suppose sets this kind of net zero terminology to, to light and uh, it's an incredibly complex piece of work so to be able to break it down into these cards in the way that um, Climate Fresh has is, is, is brilliant. I can see it being great for, to just educate in not necessarily just children but you know uh, anyone that's kind of coming at this from a very basic understanding. I mean I am trying and pretty much failing at this so far. You've had to guide me through pretty much half of the half of the cards already so it's uh, it's definitely a, the IPCC reports are a massive beast to kind of sink your teeth into and I think this is going to be a great way uh, to do just that. Um, and in terms of COP you kind of said you want to use it to raise awareness of, of, of this but um, wh what else are you hoping to uh, to see and happen during the, the two weeks in Glasgow? So at COP26 I wish that the climate risk will uh, will be in every conscience and also I will see uh, the the government make big decision to, to arrive to, to save the world. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's what COP26 is about, is trying to build this blueprint to, yeah, like you said, save the world. So I think that's uh, very succinct. Um, very, I, I think we've still got about two hours to go to get to Glasgow, but judging by how bad I am at, at, at Climate Fresk, it might take us the, the two hours to finish. So I'm going to pass back over to Luke now. But um, Melissa, thank you uh, for being a guest on this podcast and for uh, introducing me to Climate Fresk. So we, we're going to carry on Climate Fresking now. Well, uh, yeah, you're actually handing back over not just to me, Matt, but yourself as well, and Sarah back here too, because we're reunited, we've made it, we're at Glasgow Central Station, and what a journey that was. It certainly lived up to expectations. Fascinating, I think, to be sharing a train journey with so many people that had shared interests, shared passions. Uh, I should say, you can possibly hear the bagpipes in the background now. That's because we've just got off the train. Probably hundreds, I would say, of, of protesters here. There's a real buzz already about the place. COP hasn't even kicked off yet. We could have had tons more conversations as well on that podcast uh, episode, I think. But I want to keep us to our promise of 30-minute episodes. And we'll have a lot more to bring you tomorrow, I'm sure. Matt? Did you finish your game of Frisk, first of all? Uh, I did, yeah. It did take uh, a lot longer. I didn't realise once you've actually gone through every part of the IPCC report, you then have to come up with your solutions to it. Which is, I was better than that as I was at the actual unmapping stuff. I, uh, 
I was embarrassingly bad at that, considering my uh, my role as a journalist. Yeah, a little insight, I guess, into the ro into the task ahead for these guys that are actually doing not playing games, but actually doing it in real life. Sarah, your highlight of the journey. I saw you taking a lot of photos of the uh, the Lake District as we went past that. Yeah, this is a very self-indulgent point, but I feel like the scenery on the way up here really does set the tone. So there's masses of onshore wind farms, um, beautiful nature, locks, bends, glens, forests, you name it. Um, and this is what we're obviously here to, to think about and to protect, not just at home, um, but internationally. But as you say, being in the same space with so many people with a shared interest that are all so passionate, yeah, there's nothing like it. Exactly, yeah. And um, I, I mean, we're going to have to have to bring this episode to an abrupt close. I could talk a lot more about, about what we're seeing and experiencing now, but we're going to save a lot of that for, for tomorrow. We've got to head over to our Airbnb, first of all. I'm very much praying that that lives up to expectations as well and we haven't been fooled by the photos. Um, Sarah, before we go, you've got that very important task of reminding us of our listener quiz question that we ran in our first episode. So a reminder, we're asking our listeners a single question for every episode of this podcast and at the end of the series the listener who sends us the most answers will receive a mystery prize which you may or may not be able to drink it has to be correct answers though if you just send me in 99 or 69 for everyone you're not going to be the winner i'm sorry <laughs> unless they happen to be the answer but yes uh, certainly not going to be the answer to that first question i should note sarah on the good uh, bit of good news we have had a couple of people already respond right. to the first one so we're not Great. falling on dead ears i'm not speaking to the void um so the question from the last episode was that the last COP, Chile Madrid, um, had the world's biggest singular climate protest in one place. Um, but how many people joined in in that protest? The answer is 500,000 thereabouts. So if you said half a million, you're correct. Good stuff. Okay, I'd know that actually one of the one of the respondents did say half a million, so we've got one left. Um, <laughs> Keep their message bookmarked there. Yeah. <laughs> Question two for this episode. Um, just a quick one. So the UN's emissions gap report came out this week. What temperature increase did it predict? Okay. What global temperature in increase predicted by the latest uh, UN? Did you say UN? Yeah. The emissions gap report from UNEP out this week. Please no googling. <laughs> Other search engines are available. <laughs> yeah, we can't really police that though, can we? From a podcast that gets the answer a day later, but. Okay, good stuff. So, um, answers to us via email, please. Uh, a reminder of that email address. It's podcast at fav-house.com. And as I say, we'll be revealing the winner at the end of the series. Now, COP26 officially begins tomorrow, Sunday the 31st of October. Uh, Halloween, of course. I just saw someone walking past in a costume wondering what was going on there. But uh, if you are attending COP and would like to, uh, to meet the ED team, or you might have a suggestion for some of the content we're running throughout the next two weeks, then do drop us a note on that same email address, podcast at fav-house.com. Um, I'll end with the obvious point as well of making sure you're subscribed to this COP26 covered podcast. Uh, we're publishing an episode every day over the next couple of weeks. Uh, you can subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. For more information, just visit ed.net forward slash podcasts forward slash COP26. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow. Now it's time to head over to our Airbnb and uh, yeah, get our pick of rest and get our pick of bug beds. Uh, cheers and see you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>